Vivo qualitative data analysis software empowers researchers around the world to discover rich insights within their qualitative data. This podcast gives you unique insights into the methods, the processes, and the passions of researchers. Welcome to the InVivo podcast, Between the Data. Welcome to the InVivo podcast, Between the Data. I'm Stacey Penna, the InVivo Community Director. Today's podcast is with Dr. Namita Mehta, Learning Experience Designer, and Lauren Barrett, Academic Experience Specialist, who both work on the academic technology design team at the University of Colorado Boulder. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. We're excited to be here. So first, I just want to ask, can you describe what the academic technology design team, which is part of the Office of Information Technology at CU Boulder, does? Absolutely. So the academic technology design team is the human-centered part of what we call OIT, the Office of Information Technology, and we are the link between faculty, students, and staff in technology. So we do a lot of the consultations, training, studying any complex problems that have to do with technology-mediated or technology-enhanced teaching and learning. Great, thank you. And what is your research approach at the academic technology design team? Yeah, so we have a very holistic approach, and we're also very, as Namita said, human-centered. So really trying to look at the needs and the challenges of the people involved. And often we're approached by faculty or another team that has a research question, and then they want our expertise in designing it, how to approach that question, and how to explore it. So we really just try to look at the whole context and keep people at the very center of what we're doing. Sounds like fun. Uh, And so to better understand uh, your approach, I thought it'd be helpful just to focus on one of your current research projects, which I believe is called the Learning Spaces Project. So I just wanted to understand, uh, you know, why did you start that project and and what it's all about? So we decided to start the project because we wanted to see if the learning spaces and the classroom technology are working well for faculty and students. Um, And so that's how the project started. So it's actually a partnership with another team within OIT called the Learning Spaces Technology Team. And so we work with them to to kind of define like the assessment goals and see how we wanted to approach the project. But it was basically to see if what we were doing was, was effective. And so what are your assessment goals for the project? Yeah, so this one, we wanted some concrete recommendations to come out of it. So the team we were working with, they really wanted specific things that they could act on, what was needed in the classroom as far as technology goes. But we also saw this as an opportunity to really explore the landscape um, and just have some more general insights and things we could maybe act on in the future. So it was kind of two-pronged where we wanted to go in and, and come out with very specific things and also just to explore as much as possible, which I think our our skills as more holistic researchers really came into play there. And it looked like you used a mixed methods design. So why did you decide to, to pick that approach or that design? So we felt like it was really necessary to have multiple sources of data, but then have different types of data to analyze the context and to understand the context. So because it was an exploratory story, we wanted to both understand what was actually happening in the classroom now, but then ideally what would faculty and students want. And so in order to do that, we used um, this kind of theoretical framework of understanding that the space, the faculty, the students, the students with other students are all kind of interacting with each other. 
And so we wanted to use um, contextual inquiry with faculty members. We wanted to do a survey with students. We can kind of put all of that data together to then see what the whole context is. So what were the different uh, types of data you collected then with the mixed methods? Yeah, so we decided we organized it through case studies. So we partnered with faculty across campus and we tried to choose faculty in a variety of disciplines. And we also really wanted different size classrooms too, because we know that affects um, the experience. So we had these case studies and within each case study, we did a survey for students, which really focused on their expectations with um, academic technology in the classroom. And we also had them rate um, how impactful that, that technology was for them. And then we put a question at the bottom that let them draw their ideal classroom so that they could kind of, and they could label it and describe it, which was really cool. So we kept it short, but then they could kind of be creative with it as well. And then we also observed at least one class and tried to focus on the interactions as the class was going on. So how the faculty member was using technology in the classroom, how they were interacting with students, how students were interacting with each other. Um, we just tried to write all that down. And then we also did a semi-structured interview with the, the instructor and we focused on their philosophy of teaching, how do they see technology fitting into that philosophy, what they love about technology that they use, also what is really challenging. And so we triangulated our data to try and really build the whole context between all of those things. Um, and we found that really helpful. Um, and so we had one researcher, since we're on a team, we had one researcher do a whole case study. So they kind of got to see it from all angles, but then we shared all the raw data with the whole team and kind of talked through it. So just some, um, I'm just curious. So with the picture, you said they drew, what did they draw it on? So they took a survey and then was it part of the survey or was it separate? It was part of the survey. So we didn't do the drawing we just had them describe if we, they took the survey um, online because some we tried to do the survey in person because we find that you know we get more responses that way if we can just hand it out in class but that wasn't always an option for some of them so if it was in class we just printed it out and they could just draw right there on the survey and otherwise they just had to describe it if it was online okay that makes sense and with your observations was it you're just watching and taking notes or did you video the classroom or yeah, we just we just watched and took notes. Um, yeah, we didn't we didn't That's record. Fine. I'm just curious, like uh, how how people collect their data and mm -hmm. and when you say so, how many um, cases did you have again total? Oh, I'm trying to think. I think we had about ten, 10. total. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was close to ten. Okay, with all that data for each case. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's, I was just curious too, because you said each person had a case, so. Yeah. 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 So we, I think we each ended up doing like two or three. I think Demita may have had like four. And then we had another researcher with us. Um, and I also forgot we also did FCQ data. So the faculty course questionnaire. Hmm. We were able to look at a lot of that. And we also had an academic technology survey that had gone out through another team that we were able to use that that data as well. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of data. <laughs> but it's good. And so how did you analyze the data 
with the research team? Because it sounds like three or more of you were working on it. So Lauren and I did the analysis. And so both of us used NVivo, um, which was really helpful and especially managing the data since it was a lot of data. So we could import the FCQ data and the academic technology survey data, but then also keep the case studies together so we could find themes within the case studies. Um, and so that's how we managed it. We used um, descriptive and in vivo and values coding to see what, what the ideal state of the classroom was for faculty and students, but then also what, what how did they describe their current state? So that was kind of just in general, our um, process. We worked collaboratively as a team. We looked over each other's transcripts and talked through the themes just to make sure that we weren't missing anything and to make sure that we were representing the data accurately. Mm-hmm. Great. And so any other technology that you used, you said in vivo, but anything else that you used to help you? No, it's mostly in vivo. Um, yeah, it was mostly in vivo. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was just curious, like if the, if you had a certain survey tool or anything like that, but it sounds like it mostly it was in person if you could. Mostly it was in person. Yeah. yeah, we did, we did put the survey in Qualtrics as well, but our preference was to give it in person. Yeah, that makes sense. I've had the same experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Give a captive audience. You want to <laughs> yeah. do it then. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And, and so what were your overall findings? And and you said you wanted some concrete recommendations. So you know, your findings and then what did you find were the concrete recommendations you could give, I guess, for professors and people to help them? Yeah, we had a ton of great findings from this. And the project itself kind of got cut off a little bit because we had to go remote um, for COVID. But some of the bigger themes that came out. One was uh, just generally we found that faculty were really shaping the way that they teach based off of the classroom that they taught in, which became tricky because some of them were assigned two, three classrooms for one course, you know, across campus. And they weren't always the same layout and they didn't always have the same technology in them. So that was just a good insight that we we saw coming from almost every faculty member that that we spoke with. We also found that there was kind of a gap in computer literacy skills for students. So faculty were saying that, you know, they're really used to technology, but they don't always have the skills they need to be successful in class. So even just organizing files or saving files not in their downloads were things that were coming up, how to install software packages. So faculty were saying that, you know, the first couple of weeks of class, sometimes they were trying to just create that foundation before they could dive into their material. So one of the concrete recommendations that we made was to have some sort of literacy course, um, computer literacy course for incoming students so that faculty didn't have to go through that and also to get um, have students on the, the same grounding when they start. We also found that the microphones in a lot of the lecture courses, they had calc- or, um, they had put the settings with a, a faculty member that had a lower, louder voice in some cases. And then when faculty members came in with softer voices, they couldn't get the settings to go the way they needed them to. Mm-hmm. And then they would lock them so that they couldn't, you know, no one could come in and, and mess with them. But then they weren't able to really be effective because students still couldn't hear softer voices with these microphones. So we suggested that they um, use a variety of voices when they're 
creating those settings at the beginning of the semester. Um, and we also found that um, students really valued classroom capture. And this was something that we had done another uh, other researchers had done a study on classroom capture specifically and so this just reinforced that we had students who were really valued being able to watch the recordings of of their classes after the fact um, so that was just nice to see again and we we also passed that along to the other team so and so i see i'm I didn't use classroom capture. So, so that's basically, and I, I think my kids do, but they, you videotape the, the lecture basically, and then you can watch it after. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 And we found that um, they often don't have that technology in smaller classrooms. Mm. So that was something that came up too. We had an American sign language class that really the professor really wanted to be able to record um, herself and have her students um, watch it later, but then it, the capacity was too low for them to put that technology in. So we also passed that along. So just little things like that. Well, that was interesting to me when you said that students need a literacy course on this type of technology, like, you know, sort of basics, not nothing too crazy, but mm -hmm. that you everyone assumes because they're always using technology, they know how to do this. Right. That, that was that was surprising to me. And how how would that lit, lit, uh, literacy course happen? Would it be in person, do you think? Or would you um, do like something like you'd watch a recording of it as a student? Or maybe you don't know yet what you're going to do. I don't think we know yet. And we're not exactly sure what the right place for it. Like we've thrown around the idea of like, maybe it should be part of orientation. Do you kind of come in with those tools? Um, but we're not exactly sure like how it'll be executed um, because along that, the other thing we discovered is just device access. Like students are coming in with a Chromebook and their um, instructors are expecting them to download R, which they can't do in a Chromebook. And so there's a couple different things that we're trying to address of just how do we get the message to students before they start college of this is a technology that might be helpful and how to find affordable options um, and then how to use them. So that's something that we're still kind of working through. Yeah, that makes sense. And then when you're talking, because you're talking about the classroom setting and how it's different in different classrooms, which makes sense. But now everyone, I'm, well, I don't know, are, are is everyone uh, teaching online now or not? The at, at the moment, yes. Okay. <laughs> During the semester, yeah. Okay, because <laughs> I know everyone's doing different things. So then I'm curious, yeah. now that everyone has basically the, I'm guessing the same technology virtually, is that making it easier for professors almost because they don't have to worry about which classroom they're going into and what technology they can or can't use? We need to explore that further, but I think one thing that we have noticed so far is that not all faculty are using the technology like Zoom the same way. So that's it's so it's gotten somewhat easier in some ways because there's not as much of a variety of technology, but at the same time, how they're using the technology they have is still varies a lot. So I guess that, that affects the student experience more than the faculty experience. But one other thing that we noticed with the student experience, um, Lauren and I helped analyze um, a survey about the student experience during the going re remote in the spring. And a lot of students were saying that, again, they wanted the recorded lecture because if they live in Japan, they'd have to wake up at 3 a.m. to make their classes. 
And so just for the continuity of education. So that's kind of another finding that from the physical learning space, we're trying to kind of push for in the remote learning space. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that would not be easy. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, well even my, my son who was home in the spring and we're on the East Coast, New Hampshire, but he the school's in Denver. And he, yeah, he was had classes at different times. I think, you know, sometimes it was fine. Other times it was, you know, a little later, but. You know, but we're not as bad as Japan, but yeah, you right. look around that too. <laughs> right. but, but, yeah, it's so impact learning. Yeah. <laughs> it was doable. So thank you. We'll take a short break from the podcast. To learn more about the research conducted by the Academic Technology Design Team, you can visit their website at oit.colorado.edu slash services slash academic hyphen technology hyphen design hyphen team slash r-o-u-r hyphen impact. I always ask this because people are sometimes curious, like, did you, where, where do you find the gaps in the literature based on this type of research? Yeah, so we, we were really trying to find, because we did a literature review before we started, and we found that there was a gap in literature that looked at student-to-student interactions in the context of all these other dynamics that are going on in the classroom. So I think just really situating technology within these broader ecosystems of learning, um, sometimes there's not quite the complexity there. I think people tend to focus on very narrow aspects of how technology is being used. And sometimes that can really miss how it's really impacting broader learning goals and teaching goals. So that was something, that was one thing that we found. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what do you mean by student to student technology? Can you so give how, an example? Yeah. So, yeah. So how students, especially like in group work or a flexible classroom setting, mm-hmm. how they might be using it together or how it might foster interactions mm-hmm. or maybe even isolate students mm-hmm. depending on the technology. Yeah, okay, great, thank you. Mm-hmm. So what are some types of technology that can facilitate more student engagement in a lecture hall or an online class setting now? What do you see that can be helpful just across the board, anyone listening to this that might help them? Well, we've kind of come to the conclusion that it's not much about the technology, it's more how it's being used. And so that's kind of where we have like realized through our research that's just more like that human centeredness of just like you could use a tool um but you could also use it in a way that's not as inclusive for the classroom environment so we would just say like being really thoughtful about how you're using the tool and checking in with students and our faculty to kind of reflect on like how they're using it to make sure that that interaction is being facilitated and so i was curious because you're doing your work on one campus boulder but there's a whole system with the you know University of Colorado. So how does your work improve on your campus? Obviously, we've talked a little bit about that, but also system-wide. I really see our work as adding more nuance to the conversation, um, which I think is really important when it comes to technology, because I think there's a tendency to want the newest or, you know, the most sophisticated technology in the classroom, especially, you know, as a, a well-known um, university, but that doesn't always benefit learning. And so I think we really add in, do we need this? Let's look at how students are reacting to it. 
through um, usability testing or focus groups or interviews to see if it really is needed and what it can bring. Or maybe can we use the technology we've been using, but maybe get more out of it, um, helping instructors to build their classroom with it in better ways. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really just like bringing that nuance to it. And also the more holistic understanding um, is something that I always bring, bring us back to because I think it's so important um, and really reflecting on, on how we're using technology. Um, and I do think that our team is becoming well known for having those conversations. So um, we have a lot of faculty that reach out to us, a lot of other teams that reach out just even to have those conversations, maybe not even do research. Mm -hmm. So that's where I, I really see our value. I think the studies, like, they're definitely transferable. And I think a lot of our findings, it can transfer to the other campuses and to other institutions as well. We're pretty unique, especially the size of our team. The ATDT has about 20 people in it, whereas um, CU Denver is actually at the point where they're starting to build a team. So right now it's a team of one, but they're hoping to get to a team of five. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> so oh, it's very, <laughs> all but mighty, exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, because it seems like um, that you have so much knowledge that obviously could help, you know, any campus from what you're describing, right? It's pretty universal, what I would think, what you're learning in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And, and technology, I mean, you know, technology is embedded in our society so much now, right? It's so different than it was back in the day where it was like kind of a separate thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, especially now, right? Yeah. Um, so, and conclusion, I just wanted to ask both of you if you want to each just give people one piece of advice um, you would give someone conducting higher education research about learning on a campus. I would probably say to be just more reflective, like that was one thing I noticed. Um, Lauren had brought up like a recommendation and we had realized that we had looked back and a lot of our recommendations had come more from the faculty data than the student data. And so just being reflective and like but just aware of where those recommendations are coming from because if you're going to do a complete like a whole context take the whole context into consideration and you want to make sure that they're equitable and um like fair recommendations making sure that the recommendations are coming from all the data yeah yeah i i love that and i feel like i i keep coming back to it but having just that holistic orientation to, I think is so important because things really come up that you weren't even searching for. And so, especially in a learning environment, I think that's, that's really important um, and staying reflexive for sure. And also being mindful of those narratives of what's, what's the next best thing, um, especially with technology and like slowing down and really thinking like, is this needed um, or not? Is this really improving the learning experience or does this just look fancy? <laughs> that's fair that's good thank thank you both um so uh thank you so much for joining me with the podcast between the data i'm sure our listeners have learned more about research on technology and how to enhance teaching and, and learning practices so thanks to both of you thanks for having thank us you. Thank you for joining us for Between the Data. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more about InVivo podcasts and community events, please visit go.invivobyqsr.com slash community or email me, Stacy Penna, at s.penna, P-E-N-N-A, at qsrinternational.com.